Sharon Betters, and I'm so glad you are joining us for our journey to Christmas with the Midwives of the Messiah as we get closer to our destination. Tamar is joining us this week, and Tamar is a woman who brings great, great treasures of encouragement that I know are going to help equip you on your own journey to Christmas. Today's devotional is called The God Who Cannot Lie, and today's treasure is from Numbers 23, verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? Soap operas have nothing on scripture, and Tamar's story is no exception as we read in Genesis 38. Through his father Jacob, God promised Judah that the Messiah would come from his lineage, and we read that in Genesis 49.10. Dig deep into Judah's life, and you'll find a profoundly sinful and corrupt man. When we meet him in Genesis 38, Judah and his brothers had just sold Joseph, their younger brother, into slavery. They let their aging father Jacob believe that a fierce animal had devoured him. Jacob tore his garments and put sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted and said, No, I shall go down to Sheol to my son mourning. And thus his father wept for him. Imagine this scene permanently seared into Judah's soul. But rather than face his grieving father day after day, Judah left his brothers, moved to Canaan, and Canaanites were the enemy of God's people, and met up with Hira the Adulamite. Judah, the one whose line kingdoms were to be born, continues on a downward spiral away from his family roots. He marries a Canaanite woman who bears him three sons. According to scripture, Judah got a wife for Ur, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. But Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the Lord's sight, so the Lord put him to death. Judah kept the Levite law when he gave Tamar to his second son, instructing him to impregnate his sister-in-law so his older brother's name would live through his children. But rather than carry on his brother's legacy, Onan spilled his semen on the ground and God put him to death. This seems like extreme punishment, doesn't it? These human beings do not know there is a great spiritual war going on behind the scenes. Back in Genesis, God cursed Satan and told him that through a woman, the Messiah would come. From that moment on, the battle between good and evil rages on the pages of scripture. Evil strives to stop the birth of this baby. Read Tamar's story through this grid and you will hold your breath as you see Judah's line dying at the hands of God. Though God declared the Messiah must come through the line of Judah, it seems impossible for God to keep this promise because of God's own actions. When Judah sent Tamar back to her parents, he had no grandchildren to carry on his line. If Judah had no other children, Judah's line would die if his third son did not have children, and apparently he had no intention of giving his youngest son Tamar as her husband. The mother of all battles is played out in what might appear to others as an insignificant family conflict. At first glance, it appears Satan has thwarted God's plan and will win this battle, but our God cannot lie. 
He promised to send the Messiah through the line of Judah. Through God's sovereign choice, Tamar is a key to keeping that promise. Tamar waited and waited and waited for Judah to keep his promise. Did she pray to Yahweh, the God of Israel, or did she look to the Canaanite gods for help? Abandoned, forgotten, did she ultimately cry out to Judah's God? How many times did she pray something like this from Psalm 102, verses 1 through 7 and verse 12? Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me. Answer me speedily in the day when I call. For my days pass away like smoke and my bones burn like a furnace. My heart is struck down like grass and has withered. I forget to eat my bread. Because of my loud groaning, my bones cling to my flesh. I am like a desert owl of the wilderness, like an owl of the waste places. I lie awake. I am like a lonely sparrow on the housetop. You, O Lord, are enthroned forever. Does your heart resonate with the desperate cry of the psalmist? Are you worried, tossing and turning over the terrible burdens you carry, weary, fearful of the future, or terrified of the consequences of bad choices? Many of you are likely in a good place. You look forward to celebrating Christmas. You enjoy shopping for the perfect gifts for your loved ones. Scents of favorite foods fill your house. Twinkling lights and freshly baked cookies welcome visitors. Perhaps you remember a time when you too curled up in a ball, burying your face in your pillows so no one could hear your cries. Who needs you to reach out with hope? Someone who needs to hear how the Lord brought beauty from the ashes of your life. What friend needs to experience a tangible touch of God's grace through you? Pray for your sisters who long for the Lord to break through their despair. Pray that each one will cling to this promise from Numbers 23, verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? And, O oh, Father, I pray for anyone who feels the destruction of rejection and betrayal. Send her a treasure to remind her that you see her, you remember her, you will not forget her. And, O oh, friends, I'm just so moved by thinking of those who are listening to this message this devotional, and your hearts are breaking. And that's the reason you're listening, because you are trying to cling to hope. You are looking for anything to get you through the next day. I understand. I was that person. I was that person for a very, very long time. And it's my prayer that you will see the hope that God offers to us even in the Old Testament, maybe especially in the Old Testament, as we see that battle raging and when the enemy thinks he has won, out into the darkness comes a light that cannot be quenched. Hey friends, I'm Sharon. And, you know, as I was working on this devotional and getting inside the skin of each of the women in the genealogy of Jesus, I thought each one of them would be perfect guests for the Help and Hope podcast because each one tells a story of redemption that is centered in our Savior. Today, I want to introduce you to Natasha Smith, who has written a book called, Can You Just Sit With Me? 
And I was immediately drawn to the title because like many of you, I've had moments where that's really all I needed was someone to just sit with me as I wept and as I grieved and as I longed for what was. And Natasha knows what this is because for many years, she grieved the loss of her sister, but she did it privately. She kept it inside of her because our culture doesn't give us permission to grieve, does it? Our culture often says, well, and it's time to move on. These people who just lost loved ones, well, they're moving on in their grief. And actually, that was like 24 hours after the loss. Anyone who has experienced deep loss just laughs at such silly words. Well, Natasha uh, tried to hide the grief, but the pandemic took away her ability to hide her sorrow as she was homeschooling her children and not able to get out and about. And her five-year-old discovered her crying and asked what was wrong, and Natasha told her that she was missing her sister. And Natasha just wept with her five-year-old there with her. Those unexpected tears gave her permission to grieve through the words of her daughter. Not in a room by herself, but with her little girl. And in this conversation, Natasha shares how culture insists that we move on from loss quickly, and even how the church is often not equipped to handle sudden outbursts of tears or waves of sorrow. She encourages us to take hope and instruction from Psalm 56, 8, where we read that God keeps track of all of our sorrows and collects every one of our tears in a bottle. Friend, if you are hiding your grief, maybe for years and years, and you feel silly bringing it up that, that you miss someone that you lost long ago, or maybe months ago, you are going to resonate with Natasha's conclusion that giving ourselves permission to grieve means coming to the realization that it's okay to not be okay. Go to helpandhopenow.org, click the Help and Hope link, and look for my conversation with Natasha Smith, Can You Just Sit With Me? I'm Sharon Betters, and I look forward to being with you tomorrow as we continue on our journey to Christmas with the midwives of the Messiah.